What advice would you give a young player who says they want to make it? Um, I would say uh, work as hard as you can. Work as hard as you can because uh, there's a lot of people doing the same thing that you're doing that want to achieve the same dreams and goals that you want. Uh, stick to the process. The process, it's, it is about the process. Uh, nothing happens uh, in one day. You know, it's, it's a consequence of, uh, you know, of, of getting better again. We, I always go back to it's about getting better. Um, patience. Patience is massive. Called by everyone in the team, the coach, the parents, the player, uh, the agent, you know, once you turn pro. Um, it's about patience uh, from the entire team. So uh, have patience. Uh, and then look, I say there's a quote that I like that um, it says, look farther than your nose, meaning, you know, okay, live in the present, learn from the past, live in the present, get better, but have, you know, you know, your eyes in, in the prize, which is where you want to get to, you know, it's sometimes when you're younger, you, it's about getting better and, and winning in the future, although you want to win today as well, try your best to win today. But continue getting better and having that willingness to learn, um, because I mean, players that don't want to learn or have trouble learning, it's very difficult to improve. So, uh, listening is, is massive as well, and have little objectives that will eventually take you where you want to get, and just continue getting better. Gotcha. No, that's that's great because I think a lot of players, especially in football, or at least from my experience, they lose a game or something doesn't go their way, and they you know, they're, they're not mentally strong enough to recover. It takes them longer, and they just need to bounce back and get back into it. So that, that's great advice, I think. Well, that's what we were talking before about that resiliency, the willpower of continue going up the hill. I mean, it's it's not – you just have to let it, let it slide off your body and right. move on. Right, right, right. And, and, and by the way, it's a very difficult thing to do, Kat. It's It's very difficult to not get stuck, you know, and get caught in those losses and, and then waste time until your mind then – keeps going again you know right and so, and you think that's something that allows an elite player like a Nadal or a Federer or somebody to just bounce back it's just that resiliency 100% 100% I think that that's one of the key things that they that they possess and that they have and that they own and that they can you know they can live with themselves laying it on the line and taking it on the chin right they can take it on the chin and then wake up the next day and do it again. I mean, it's just, yes. <laughs> and it's a, it's a grind. I mean, even, even my, so let's put it this way. My next question for you is, is it harder to make it as a pro or is it harder to stay at the top? Um, I think it's both. It's both because to get to the top, you have to, you know, do all these things that we're talking about and going through, the, through a painful process. And then once you get to the top, then you have to keep yourself at the top. So you have to work even harder because, you know, you have younger kids coming that they want to take your paycheck at the end of the day. And, and, and it becomes harder. And then from top 100, you want to get to top 75. And then from 75, you want to get to top 50. And then from top 50, you want to start getting seated in the Grand Slam so you don't have to play against Nadal in the first round. And then from there, you want to get to the top 16. So you, you play with some of these guys in the quarterfinals then you want to get to the top. So everything becomes more challenging and more detail-oriented, and whoever takes care of more details um, 
and works harder, he's going to get better because, I mean, at some point, it's not about the forehand or the... Everybody hit a forehand, a backhand, and a serve. Well, some players better than others, but everybody can do it. So um, it's, it's, it's hard to stay in the top, in top also. Right. Well, Especially, I, I don't know, in soccer, but imagine you gotta you got to keep your position in a team. And oh, yeah. you have all these kids coming up and, like, you're like, I mean, I don't... I'm just saying, I think you're totally right because it's, and I think a lot of people get confused that they think once they, they have that dream that they want to make it, but they don't they don't realize that once you make it, there's so much more that comes with this. Now you have, now now that you've signed a pro contract, um, now you have people that are trying to take your job. So if you're not performing, you're going to get cut, or you're going to get sold, or you're going to get replaced, and uh, it's it's what you said. It's painful, and and that and, and that's your job. I think that athletes have to understand that that uh, you know. And that's the beauty of it, you know, of it, you know. But you're still working many hours a day, and the second you forget that that's, you know, that's what is going to to get there, then guess what? It's like somebody else will come. And if you don't do a job in your job, what happens? You get in trouble. So right, right, right. Yeah. So then, let me let me ask you this: How important is it for a, a person or a player that wants to reach a high level to actually? really love what you call the painful process, right? I mean, how, how much do you have to love this to actually make it? Yes, I mean, the, the, the process, like we said, is everything. And it's having, you know, that pain tolerance, for example, for taking all those hard workouts that you're going to need to do and, 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 and taking yourself to the, you know, um, to your limits. Um, it's painful. It's painful, but it's needed. And, it's, and you know what? It's extremely rewarding. It's tough at the time, but um, it's extremely rewarding. And, and, and you have to also have a good perspective in life of what you have also. Uh, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a privilege to actually to be an athlete. And if you have the opportunity, I mean, why not work as hard as you can to actually be as best as you can be? I mean, so uh, I don't see any excuses, you know, no excuses. Just try your best. Right. So the next question here, how important is it for a player to go out and train on their own? Is that is that something that's important in tennis? You know, it's massive, actually. It's so important because, the you know, especially at earlier stages, um, the ownership, you know, having ownership to do things on your own is very important. It's not about the coach pushing all the time. It's about, you know, the athlete uh, having the passion to do what, you know, for what they do. And, and engaging themselves in unstructured, um, unstructured setups, you know, unstructured practices for fun. Because at the end of the day, I think in any sports, I mean, they do it because they love it, they have a passion for it, and it's fun. So um, it's extremely important for the kids to go out there on their own and actually play, and, you know, and, and, and the more, it's very, it's, it's, it's not, I think the way I see it, the more time you do something, the better you're going to get. Right? I mean, I think that's common sense in my mind. So, for the kids to go out there on their own and do something they love, they're going to keep getting better. Plus, then imagine the, the help from, the, from the, the rest of the team. Right. Right, right. So then let me ask you this. Um, how important is professionalism? So if you want to make it to the national team, how important is, is professionalism? So that could be like, you know, the diet, the, the way they interact with their teammates. How important is that process? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's extremely important. Um, but something that we have to keep in mind when we work with young kids is that we have to teach them how to be professional. So, you know, it's our job as coaches to actually show them, giving, giving them, you know, give them the tools to be professional. Um, and they're kids. Kids are kids. So we also think that we have to be careful at what stage we actually want to lay that, uh, lay that down on the table, you know, and like truly push for that. Because at the same time, you know, we want to, you know, we, we don't want to burn them out also at, at an early stage where everything is completely strict. I mean, we got to let them be who they are, figuring things out. Um, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to learn on their own by making mistakes as well. And then, uh, but, uh, but it is our job to, to, to show them and, and let them know how to, how to actually be professional as well. So, but it's extremely important. That's when, when taking care of details come in place. That's when, um, you know, doing the, all the little extra things that will give them an extra advantage to actually uh, be better than, than, than your opponents. So, um, and it's on court, it's off court. It is your meals, it is the way you sleep, it is the way uh, you train, um, you know, it's, it's all those things. I mean, people, even in tennis, you know, the jet lags, you know, uh, you want to start doing things before you jump on the plane, um, you know, the way you eat while you're going there. You know, there's so many factors, so many angles to cover that, that they will make it, you know, they will, that they're under the professional element so uh, but it is extremely important so they can have a better chance to actually succeed because uh, at some point if you're not professional enough you're in trouble so uh, <laughs> but you know what being irresponsible is a good thing too sometimes you know that's what i'm saying you want to let the athlete you know learn on their own you know as well and problem solve and figure things out and with, with the guidance of the coach because being a little bit uh, irresponsible, it can be a good thing on the on the tennis court as well. You know, uh, it can it can have a good thing against fear, for example. You know, fear is there. Fear, everybody experiences fear. So, but that's another topic. But my point is, you want to be professional on the court as well, but you want to have that, you know, that um, confidence as well. With that, it's linked to that. That if you're too strict, you know, at an early age, and you no, know, let the player. You know, have a good, you know, be in a good environment and, and be professional, but at the same time, be careful not overdoing it with all the information at a young age because you can burn them out. Right. So let me, let me ask you another question then. This one just came to my mind. Um, in terms of coaching, um, this happens a lot in soccer. I don't know about tennis, but what would be your thoughts on this parent coaching? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the parent is the most important um, piece of the puzzle, uh, especially at an early stage. I mean, they're going to dictate what the kids do. Uh, they're the ones driving them, feeding them. Uh, they're the ones, uh, you know, in the right back home. They're the ones at the dinner table. They're the ones, you know, uh, polishing them, uh, educating them, um, ingraining all these character values, all the values at home. And some kids have, have it more difficult than others. That's the reality. Have, some kids have less resources than others. Um, and parenting, uh, if, they can, if they can respect the role, which is a massive role in the team of support in every possible way, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's extremely important that, we, that as coaches we actually communicate with them 
we want to make sure that we draw a line as well because otherwise you know how, how things can get complicated but um, the parent has a role and and when I talk about parent education sometimes I tell them it's so important to have the kids around the right people because if you have your kid and you trust the person the coach and the right people obviously you always keep an eye on what is happening as a parent because it's your kid but if you know that you have the right people around your kid my goodness everything becomes easier you mm-hmm. know so uh, that's how I think but educating the parents is massively important whatever questions they have you know they're parents they want the best for the kids and, and they want to know right stuff right and I, I think you're totally right I, I really like how you said the education part because that's that's one of the biggest challenges I have here is in, in football or soccer we have a lot of people that in terms of how teams play and you've probably seen this because your son's in football is that they don't necessarily teach kids how to play actual football where they just pretty much kick it long and the education part of the parent is looking for the right thing and looking for the wrong thing so if they're educated in the process they'll know what to look for and how to better help their kid if they have a goal of wanting to make something so i think that was a huge point that you just said is the education part yeah no the process that they also know what the process how the process looks what it takes and the word patience the word patience is massive right. it's actually one of our, our key our five p's we have you know five p's in our philosophy which is patience uh progressions uh, problem solving parameters and um well i'm blanking now on this one but it's going to come to me <laughs> anyway, yeah, no patience is massive right and, 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 yeah. and that makes total sense because as we've been talking through this episode or episodes is that it's it's a 10-year process you're gonna have ups you're gonna have downs it's how you respond and you know you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days but it's all about taking the next hit and moving forward so that, that's phenomenal stuff yes um next question for you would be what is a common mistake that you see young players make when they get selected for the national team pool well okay um common mistakes um i think that sometimes they take things for granted uh, okay, I've been selected in the national team. Okay, wow, okay, great. And then, you know, they <laughs> slow down a little bit sometimes. And that's when you don't want to slow down. That's when you want to actually push. Get your, foot on, get your foot on the gas and push harder because uh, um, it's, it's, you know, it's just the start. It's just, yes, uh, we saw something in you, great. But mm. now it's that's when the work starts. <laughs> or even before, you know, because... Uh, we can't forget about all the developmental coaches at younger ages, you know, especially in the private sector that they actually do all the dirty work. And I'm not saying that maybe I don't do the dirty work at 13 to 18. Yeah, that's dirty work too. But you know what? Everybody has a, a time and a work doing some, some particular stage doing the kids' development. Uh, but once the kids get there, sometimes they can take things for granted and we got to be make sure that, that we let them know that, hey, you better keep working hard because the other kid is coming behind you. Right. That's the reality. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, another mistake sometimes is that, and I think you might have, you must have heard this before. I mean, when we talk about coaching, there are so many similarities. But uh, talent is not enough. Talent is not enough. Uh, once again, uh, talent without work is just just not enough. So work, uh, you just think again. Things don't happen because they just happen. It's a consequence of what you do. So um, that's another common mistake. And um, nothing. I mean, that's, that's what I think about it. Yeah. Right. So next question for you, Nico, would then be, 
how many players do you evaluate, or how much does the national team program evaluate, um, maybe in a given year when you're when you're selecting players for the national team pool? Tennis, obviously, it's a little, maybe it's a little bit different, but um, we identify, they ident- identifying players, it happens throughout, you know, at different regional training centers around the country. Uh, that's a way to identify at an early stage and also, obviously, tournaments. I mean, you know, you have the nationals, the level ones, two, and threes. Um, but then, um, then starting at, you know, at 14, um, you start identify. You see them in tournaments, you know, and 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 that that's how you actually. I mean, see how how, how they compete, how they go about things, um, and and that's when they get the invitations, you know. And, and obviously, it's a small world. Everything is it's a big world, but it's a small world. And um, you know, we, we know many of the programs out there in the private sector. We have you know pretty much great relationships with a lot of people. I mean, I coach Francis Tiafo. That uh, you know, Dennis Kudla, another kid. You know, Francis Tiff was one of the. You know, he played Davis Cup for the U.S. I coached him for three years. He came from, for example, from Washington, from the same program. And then you have another one from Seattle, and then you have other kids from from Texas. And there are different programs that they do very good jobs. You know, and they um, they usually develop players, and that's how we identify them and and, and, and how we see them, how we evaluate them. Um, but then once we bring them to the center, we challenge them and we just practice, we train them. And we push them, you know, and, and they have to know that um, it's not just we push them because we wanted we wanted to be the best American kids for the national team. No, no, no. This is an international sport. We have the Serbians working very hard. We have the Spanish, the Argentinians, the Brazilians, the Italians are coming up. You know, we have, you know, some Asians that, you know, they're popping up. We have some, it's an international sport. It's not just about, hey, I made the national team. No, no, no. This is about being the best in the world. So right. um, we want we you know we just won that Grand Slam champion that unfortunately you know, on the men's side it's been missing for some time in the women's side it's there um, but I think that this group of guys there's like eight guys that you know between generations ninety six born ninety six ninety seven ninety eight these ten guys that I'm telling you that I, I live this process it's almost ten years this past decade that. Um, we kind of like evaluated them and they were passing each other and you know and how the, the rates of improvement how fast and and that's how we see them and then you have a guy that uh, that's why sometimes we want to keep the base a little wider um, although we start trimming as they get older because then you have a guy that makes a massive jump and then you know he becomes part of that tier one group you know and and and, and by the way the second year 18s it's massive sometimes that's that senior year in high school sometimes they make a massive jump physically and mentally and again i'll give you examples like uh, tommy paul he's top 50 or something like that radio pilka i know he's top, they're born 97s they were both going to college Kyle. Mm. both going straight to college and in nine and their second year 18s obviously like i said we stick to the process we keep getting better they keep getting better, keep getting better. All of a sudden, Tommy Paul uh, wins the French Open, and three weeks later, Radio Pelka wins Wimbledon. Wow. And then this guy starts getting contracts, and then the confidence goes off the roof. They go to a challenger. They start winning matches in the pro level. And all of a sudden, they turn pro. And guess what? Six months ago, they were committed to Georgia, for example. I don't know. Some, uh, or any school. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you have to keep getting better and then make decisions when at the, at the right time. It's, it's not a, you know, there's no need to rush things and force anything. Right. And that's how we evaluate things anyway. But, gotcha. So then let me ask you the next question because you just kind of brought it up. How important uh, is college to the development of tennis players? Do you think it's a, a major benefit or uh, how does that work? For me, it's a benefit because you have another option. The reality is that you have another option. Now, the, the, the con of this is that around the world, because we're playing an international sport, and we have some kids maybe internationally that because they don't have the option of going to college, uh, they just turn pro and then, uh, you know, they, 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 they continue the process and they continue getting better. And all of a sudden, boom, they hit the top 100. And maybe... Uh, which is a reality, uh, college is, is a, a, a path to professionalism and players do get better in college. Uh, I don't think that happens in every single program, you know? So, uh, but absolutely, there are kids that are not physically prepared, they're not mentally prepared, that maybe they don't have the, the financial um, ab- you know, ability to do it, you know, uh, resources to do it. And, and colleges, it's, 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 it's fantastic. I mean, my son, I mean, hey, I'm going that route. And then when the time comes, hey, maybe we'll see what happens. But my goodness, I mean, you ask me right now, what do you want for your son? And I can tell you right now, it would be a dream if maybe he becomes a pro and, and excels at, at a sport. But hey, I put him in a school and I'd be more than proud of him. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, but in different other countries, that doesn't exist. But like I, that's why I said that we are Americans. We live in the U.S. We have our culture. We just continue, need to continue improving the culture and getting better. But we are who we are. And college is a, it's a pathway to professionalism, and it's a good one. Um, but um, like I said, you got to make the, the, the right decision depending on, on, on where you are at that particular time. Right, right, right. And evaluate your options. Yes, 100%. Next question for you. How many hours or years do you think it takes for a player to reach the elite level? No, it takes, I mean, unlimited hours, Carl. I mean, I don't (laughs) have a number. (laughs) To be honest, I don't have a number. It takes unlimited hours. And then as you get older in the pros, then you start taking care of your body because obviously you have enough repetition and you have all the work behind you and and all, you know all that. But obviously, as a younger athlete, you still need to put the time, the hours. And you know, I remember I, uh, in Boca, I would take court ten by a, by the pond, you know, and, and go along with the player and have unlimited hours of court and get him better because I was on the men's side of things. So. Right. Uh, that's, uh, but the same, the women coaches were doing the same thing with the girls. I mean, uh, unlimited hours. That's just that's the answer, Carl. <laughs> unlimited, unlimited hours. Right. But like I said, I don't know. Uh, you tell me. I mean, if a player touches a soccer ball more than another player, that player will probably get better, right? Like a little quicker. I mean, unless the other player assimilates better. But you gotta put the hours. Mm-hmm. I gotta put. The hours. Uh- uh, that's great. I, 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 it's, it's a trick question, really, because I think it's the same thing in soccer. There's no set number. Um, the, the only thing I tell people is it, it's 10 years. If you want to be a pro or you even want to play college, it's a, it's a 10-year process from essentially 9 to 18, 8 to 18. 
And then there's one thing in tennis where there's a technical side of things, you know. So maybe you 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 have a period for 120 minutes, two hours on court, but maybe 20 minutes is served. Another 15 minutes are returns, you know. And you're not doing the side to side, forehand to backhand, you know, moving laterally or moving forward or moving, you know, mm. and and really being physical, physical, you know. So you can manage that, but whatever whatever you do, obviously at a hundred percent intensity. But um, sometimes the whole overtraining. I mean, we gotta be smart, like I mentioned before about the stress fractures, making sure that the loads are appropriate, making sure that we have the right amount, the, the match count. Yeah. Sometimes you know I, w- I would take kids out of tournaments because they they were on a on a winning streak. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey guys, let's slow down now. Let's take care of the bodies. Let let's get better. So. I feel like sometimes the overtraining is a little bit overrated. Right. You it, know, p- people are scared of, oh my goodness, I'm over getting overtrained. Hey, I mean, hey, maybe not. Maybe, you know. Uh, but obviously, we have to be conscious and, and be smart about it. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the time spent, I mean, like I see, you know, having the kids juggling. You're telling me that the kids cannot juggling for 30 minutes in a row? Are they going to, you know? After the, you know, uh, it's the same thing, kind of like, you know, it's more a stationary thing. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that's how I see it. Right. Well, and, and it's, it's to your point, uh, it's just about refining, building that craft, and then, you know, continuing to move it forward. Um, next question, this might be the, the last one in regards to the national team um, work that you do, but how important is game film? Do you guys watch game film and review it with the, the players, or... How important is video? Did you say how important is video? Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, you know, technology is coming, you know, and uh, all, all the analytics things are out there. Um, we do uh, watch video and we review it. Uh, we also use it for technical things, obviously. Um, we, we know we tag matches, so it's a little bit more, it's a little quicker to go through the video. Um, so we can see every point one after the other. Uh, and then we can sort it out in different plays, you know, winners and for zeros, you know, approaches to the net and things like that. It's, it's really, a, it, it advanced a lot, all these current reports. But there is one thing that I want to mention, Carl, in this, that we really have to be careful with technology and studies and statistics because we cannot, we cannot lose sight of the human factor of things, you know, the human element, uh, how the, you know, how we think out there all the different other elements that are going in a tennis match or in a soccer game, I guess. Um, and yes, there are different tendencies from opponents maybe, but things can, can switch and think, and, and you know, the best players are the players that they, they adapt better. Right. You know, um, you know, uh, you might start going down in this, but then you make an adjustment and then you win the match and problem solving is massive. So we have to be careful how we use those tools right. i'm not against technology i embrace technology but let's use it in a smart way without going overboard right that's my hope that's my whole point right. right 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 and stats you know like you said it it they tell half the story so you know if you look at it from a soccer context if you have you dominate possession but that doesn't necessarily mean you created chances you could have just had the ball the whole game but not go anywhere with it so i i totally understand your point that's that's good insight so, Nico, those are pretty much all my questions related to the national team program. And I wanted to kind of touch base with you since since you have your son enrolled in soccer and, and I've had the opportunity to work with him for, I want to say it's going on a year and a half, two years. Do you think that what I'm doing in terms of his process is correct? 
And um, have you seen a lot of growth from it? Yes, no, 100%. I mean, I, uh, well, as you can see, I mean, I'm a coach. I'm a coach in a different sport. And I think that I can, you know, I can have a pretty good eye of, of what coaching is all about. And I mean, it's the main reason why I'm driving 40 minutes, you know, two times a week sometimes, besides, you know, uh, his, uh, the, what they do as his, uh, as his own team, which they do a good job as well, an excellent, an excellent uh, job. But, um, you know, the fact that you are focusing on, 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 on development, the fact that you, um, you know, um, you're teaching them the tools, you're actually providing him with, with tools. Um, and because things, like again, I always go to the same point, things don't happen because they just happen. And it's pretty funny because he watches a lot of soccer and he picks a lot of things from TV through the eyes and then he tries new things. But the reality, he's he had a he had a massive confidence boost. You know, you know, Joaquin he's a little shy, and you know, uh, at the time of making a move, for example, right. or at the time when finding himself in a situation in a game. I mean, obviously, he plays the seven versus sevens, the the kind of like competitive leagues, and 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 I saw a massive improvement on that. On you know. Uh, that confidence of you know, uh, okay, I'm stopped. You know, I get a pass, I stop the ball, and I don't feel rushed. For example, right, and that happens with the repetition by by actually having the skills, by by um, by by doing it in practice. And, I, and you're a big 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 believer in that on, on getting players better, on on giving them these tools, and you have a big uh, a growth mindset of of. Of getting better and, and aiming high, you want to aim high. You want to have that goal. Like I said, look farther than your nose. Have that goal, um, and then let, we can be real. But I'm sure that some of the kids that you train also go to school. So my point is, I love your professionalism, your passion, how detail oriented you are, the intensity of your training. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that that. Although you take in consideration the age of, and stage of Joaquin, which is, you know, he's a very young player, uh, you still do things that some of the pros might do, you know? Yes, you do it with less amount, less volume, uh, but the fundamentals, you want to work on the fundamentals, you want to get him complete, and, and that's what I love about it, and that's why I actually drive the 40 minutes that I drive, and, and that's the commitment from the parent, for example, that we were talking before. Right, right. You know? And I go there, and I know that when I go, I grab my chair, and I, you know, I stay away from it, and Joaquin is in your hands, and I trust you 100%, and you do what you have to do with, with, with him, you know? And then I can relax from my work, which I had a long day, and, and that's kind of like, I, I, like my getaway, actually. And I enjoy my son actually doing a sport. So, um, you know. So I'm very thankful for, for what you do for him and, and, and for what you do for, obviously, for everybody else. I really appreciate that. And it, it's actually interesting. I'm glad you said that last part of how you and, – and I saw you yesterday. Um, you know, Joaquin's playing in the game, and, and you you were just sitting to the side and just watching. And, and a lot of other parents will speak and talk to their kids when they're playing. And, and I really appreciate the fact that, you know, somebody's in the same business as me – uh, and you're a parent. I'm not a parent yet, but they, you're allowing your kid to experience or be integrated with the coach and with the other players. And there's really no interruption from you. And, and I would love for a lot of people that are parents um, listening to really take that insight that you just said, that you get to sit there, you get to watch your son, you get to enjoy it. Whether whether or not he becomes a high-level player or not, 
um, you're enjoying his process. And, and I can tell you from experience, I've seen players, and you probably have too, drop out um, because of pressure from mom and dad or you know negative consequence like that that I think can easily be avoided by just going out and enjoying watching your kid do what they love doing. Yeah, like I mentioned before, I mean, you know, he's go, he goes twice a week with you because of obviously the distance. I would love to take him actually three times a week, but I know that he actually is going to be a little bit overwhelmed because he has told me, that, you know, two days, I, I love going, I have fun, two days. Imagine if I start pushing and putting pressure because of my end, I would love to go three times a week, for example, then, yeah. you know? And I have to suck it up, Cal, and it's tough to suck it up. As a parent, I'll be honest, and I'm a coach, and I'm telling you right now, it's tough to suck it up, but but I do it because, you know, I don't want to push it. He's very young, and I don't want to burn him out. But the other thing that I want to mention about your training is the balance between the, your dynamic of training and technical skills. And I think that you have a great balance because you keep them moving, but at the same time, you teach them when it's needed to be, you know, when you need to tell them something or when you... But, you know, uh, and that's why I go there and I some, I usually play with my three-year-old. I don't even have time to actually watch Joaquin sometimes in training <laughs> trainings with you. But, but I mean, that's something also that I want to uh, mention because that dynamic is extremely important, either in soccer, in tennis. You know, when you go and you have a line of six players and the player has to touch the soccer ball once every 35 seconds and or 40 seconds, you're like, okay, hang on a second. So... Anyway, it's a high-level training. It's a, you know, it's very professional oriented, but at the same time, you know, you're, uh, it's, 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 you know, you're very down to earth, and you know what you're doing. So that's the reality. I can see that in a coach, whether it's soccer, tennis, football, basketball, and you know, I think I can see that. So thank you for what you do. No, and, and Nico, I, I really appreciate your time in this episode. I appreciate the support of being able to work with um, Joaquin. And uh, I hope anybody that's listening to this can take a lot of insight. I know this is a you know football or soccer specific podcast, but I would say almost everything that Nico talked about in this episode is essentially transferable to the game of football because it's all relevant in terms of the technical side, the mental side, how do you get scouted, when does winning matter, that mindset, that growth mindset, all those things that um, Nico talked about are, in my opinion, completely relevant and game-changing because there's a lot of things that people won't talk about and uh, Nico just did the day. So, Nico, I really appreciate your time, your insight. And um, I look forward to training Joaquin before you guys move on out. Sounds great. Uh, thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for having me. And it's always fun to talk about coaching. I mean, it's truly a passion in any sport. So it's great. Thank you. Right, thanks so much for your time, Nico.